Tiger Woods returns, NFL Week 15 recap, and Bill Simmons unnecessarily apologizes. The Valley Sports Talk begins right now. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the LaValley Sports Talk Podcast, brought to you by the Silent Network. As always, I'm your host, Chris LaValley. Hope you all are doing well and staying safe. So Tiger Woods returned to the course for the first time since his horrific car accident in February. Tiger Woods and his son, Charlie, played at the PNC Championship. Watching these two play together was pretty incredible, but watching Charlie was something special. From Charlie's putter raise to his fist pump to the driver twirl to the kids just pure sweet golf swing it was like watching a 12 year old tiger woods out there on the course tiger uh, excuse me charlie is is something special and there was something truly magical about watching a father and a son bond over a shared passion now i'm not saying that charlie's necessarily going to go and and jump on the pga tour and, and he's going to have this prolific golf career but you could tell that there is a, a shared admiration and, and respect for one another on the golf course. And it just you could see when Charlie would make a big putt or he would make a, a, a really great shot, the camera would pan to Tiger, and you could just see the pride that Tiger felt for his son. And it's it, that those are special moments. I mean, just take the take the celebrity out of it, take the the athletic achievement out of it. That I, any father who's watching their child, whether it be their son or their daughter, succeed at something, especially if we're just talking athletics and, and the pride that you feel from that. I mean, th- those are those are the special moments. Those are the moments that I believe as a parent, you're going to hold on to for the rest of your life. Those are the things that you're always going to think about that you're always going to reflect on. And it's it's different, obviously, when you're a celebrity and you have cameras on you. But as we watch from afar, I think it's it's a privilege to have the opportunity to see something like that. Because how many times do we really get the opportunity to see a prolific athlete like Tiger Woods share the stage with their child? It, it doesn't happen. I mean, we had the Griffies, but I, I honestly, at least for, and I'm sure there's another one out there and I'm just, it, I'm blanking right now, but I can't think of another father-son duo Obviously, there'll be LeBron and his son. LeBron has has made it known that he's trying to stay in the NBA long enough so this way he can at least play one season with his son on whatever team that may be. So it's extremely rare that, that we have this opportunity. And if you didn't tear up just a little bit after Tiger and, and Charlie embraced on the 18th green on Sunday, I, you're not human. I mean, that was that was everything at that point in time, just just seeing that and, and just the, the love and the respect and the admiration that they had for each other. I mean, that was, that's just, that's special stuff, man. You don't, you don't get the opportunity to see that even, even in, in real life, like take the celebrity out of it. It's just, those are magical moments. And those are, those are the type of moments that as parents, you're going to remember for the rest of your life. And, and as a, as a child, Charlie's going to have this forever that he got to go dominate on a golf course with his dad. I mean, regardless of if his dad's Tiger Woods or not, it's just the 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 opportunity that you had to go out on a golf course and and play great golf. I mean, they set a tournament record with eleven straight birdies on Sunday. So you you and your dad, although they came in second place and and whatever, they didn't win the tournament. They they were the story. 
So you can say, hey, man, I was out on the course with my dad and we dominated. We dominated for 11 straight holes on Sunday. That's pretty damn special. And I think that's the, uh, that, that's the takeaway for the weekend. Another crazy week in the NFL. Let's break it all down. Let's kick it off with last Thursday's game. Chiefs come from behind to take down the Chargers 34-28 on Thursday night football. Patrick Mahomes easily played the best game of his season. 410 yards, three touchdowns, one pick. Justin Herbert, 236 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, one rushing TD. You got to give the Chiefs credit for overcoming a fourth quarter deficit and winning in overtime. Yes, I'm giving the Chiefs credit. I know it's a rarity on this podcast. Mahomes played easily the best game of the year or his best game of the year, I should say. And the Chiefs are in prime position to be the number one seed in the AFC. More on that in a moment. This loss falls directly at the feet of rookie head coach Brandon Staley. Three different times he chose to go for it on fourth down rather than taking three points. Excuse me, four different times, not three, four different times. And the Chargers went 0-4 in those attempts. Just one field goal completely changes the outcome of this game. I'm all for going for it on fourth down. When it's close in the fourth quarter, but he was pulling the shit in the first half. What are you doing? What look, I've I've been somebody who said you got to be aggressive with a team like the Chiefs. I always talked about how that was the demise of so many teams over the years against the New England Patriots. If you have the opportunity to take seven, you take seven. But don't be stupid about it. it, it some of those play calls were just dumb. Just absolutely it, it, if you early in the game, if you can just put points on the board, those add up. I know it's not seven points, but still, when it's the fourth quarter and it, it's it, it's getting a little dicey, then yeah, take the risk because you, you want to end the game or you want to put that, nail, that final nail in the coffin. That's a different story. But early on in the game, you take the damn points, man. It's just, this is basic one-on-one. On the positive side, though, the Chargers proved to everyone that they're a true playoff contender. Look, they, they led for most of this game. They should have won this football game. The, the Chargers should have won this game. Again, if Staley wasn't being a jackass and trying to go for it four damn times on fourth down, the Chargers very likely would have won the football game. So overall, look, Chiefs came back. They're the best team in the AFC right now. And the Chargers are definitely going to be a playoff contender. Colts stunned the Patriots 27-17. Jones, 299 yards, two touchdowns, two picks. Carson Wentz, 57 yards passing, one touchdown, one interception. Taylor, 170 yards rushing, one TD. This game was not as close as the score would indicate. Indy dominated early and finally was able to close out a game. Taylor put an exclamation point on the Colts' best game of the season with a 67-yard TD run. The Colts finally have a statement win this season. Colts should be able to hold on to a playoff spot with games against the Cardinals, Raiders, and Jaguars coming up. The Cardinals game is on Christmas Day. If they can go 2-1, and one, they'll finish 10-7 and seven and likely be a 5-6 or six seed. Look, I, the only team that scares me is the Cardinals, although the Cardinals are playing like trash right now. So the Colts realistically could be 11 and six, which would almost assuredly put them as the five seed. We'll see what happens. Uh, but real quick, all those people trashing Carson Wentz, shut up. The dude's got the fourth best touchdown to interception ratio in football. The fourth best. He's behind Russell Wilson, Kirk Cousins, and I believe Aaron Rodgers. So for everyone who's like, oh, Carson Wentz, all he does is turn over the football. That's not true. Not even close. Quick note on the Patriots. They're going to be just fine. Jones made some incredible throws in this game. The Patriots would be better served these last few weeks letting Mac Jones cook. As they always say, let Russell Wilson cook. Let Mac Jones cook. Let him prove that he can carry this offense heading into the playoffs. Because at, at some point in time, Mac Jones is going to have to make a big throw 
in in a playoff game. And I, I think he's look. Some of the throws that Jones made in that game were pretty damn special. The kid can throw the football. Let him air it out every once in a while. And look, the it, the Patriots have got a pretty favorable schedule moving forward. I know they got the big game against the Bills coming up, but aside from that, they've got two cupcake games. So if you want to have a specific game plan going into Buffalo, that's fine. It's Bill Belichick. I get that. They probably want to kick the Bills' ass again for the second time. But outside of that, give Mac Jones some opportunities to throw the football. I I just think that that the the Patriots as a whole will be better served moving forward if they do that. Packers survive against the Ravens 31 to 30. Rodgers 268 yards, three touchdowns. Backup Huntley, 215 yards, two touchdowns, 73 rushing yards, and two rushing touchdowns for the second time in the last three games. John Harbaugh's decision to go for two at the end of the game rather than kick an extra point and play in overtime costed his team. Two weeks ago against the Steelers, his decision to go for two made sense. This week, I don't understand the decision-making whatsoever. Specifically, his decision to go for it on fourth down in the first quarter when three points were available also ended up costing his team. Again, just like Staley for the Chargers, Harbaugh made some stupid decisions throughout the game that cost his team in a much-needed victory. The Ravens are now on the outside looking into the playoffs after losing their third straight. They've lost their last, they've lost three straight, right? I believe the total margin of, of their, their losses have been by a combined four or five points. That's insane. Their final three games are the Bengals, Rams, and Steelers. That's, that's a freaking gauntlet. I don't think the Ravens are getting in. I, I don't. The Bengals feel like a like a, the better football team right now. And again, this is a week-to-week league right, as far as the AFC North is concerned. But the Bengals feel like the better team. And I can't believe I'm saying this. The Steelers feel like a better football team. I, I know. I know. It sounds insane. Huntley, however, let's just put this out here real quick. That dude is a stud. He's an NFL starter. He could be trade bait for the Ravens if they if they want to do that moving forward. I, I personally would. If you can, get a, if you can try and, and get a team to give you a first-round draft pick for him, He's he has proven this season over the, the last few games. This kid is a, this kid is a, a true blue NFL starter. He has played better in these three games than Lamar Jackson has played in like his last five. Don't give me the injuries. I'm I'm stop stop with the injury thing with Lamar. Just look at the kid's accuracy. He's a better pure passer. He has much better accuracy than Lamar. After Lamar's MVP season over the last two years, his accuracy has significantly declined. Look, I like Lamar Jackson. I think Lamar Jackson, look, I've come full circle on Lamar. I still think Lamar's a top, a top 12, 13 quarterback in the league. He's not top 10 anymore, at least not this season he hasn't been. But Huntley has the potential to match Lamar Jackson. He, there's, just, there's something special about this kid. He's going to be good. I just hope that the Ravens don't, don't just park him on the bench and just do what they did with uh, what, what the Packers did with Aaron Rodgers with Brett Favre. Now I'm not I'm not saying you know Jackson's on his way out of Baltimore, but you have the potential with this kid. This kid could be great, and I just hope that he get you know that what the Patriots did with Garoppolo and what the Patriots did with Jacoby Brissett, although Brissett didn't really work out. I if if the if the Ravens have somewhat of a heart as far as allowing a kid to to produce in the league they'll they'll find a way to trade Huntley to to another team and, and and get a decent package for him in the process. All right, sorry. Moving on. The Packers on the, on the other hand, they're rolling. Rodgers is the deserving NFL MVP. All due respect to my man Taylor, who look, Jonathan Taylor is the MVP. He's probably not going to win it cuz he's a running back. So if we're going if we're just being realistic here, the MVP this season 
if, if we're just going quarterbacks here, pure quarterback has been Aaron Rodgers. It's not even close. Don't don't even debate me on this one anymore because you're not going to win this. His team has the best record in football. His season stats are 3,487 yards, 30 touchdowns, four interceptions, and a 66.9 QBR. He's top five in TD passes, interceptions, and QBR, and top 10 in passing yards. This team for the third week in a row still looks like the best team in football. And I honestly don't see how you can argue against that. This team is rolling. They're getting healthy at the right time. I, look, could they lose a game heading into the playoffs? Yeah, maybe they'll lose one of the last three games, but that that still wouldn't wouldn't change my mind. This is the team to beat in the NFL. The Saints shut out the Buccaneers nine to nothing. Hill, 154 yards passing, 33 rushing yards. Brady, 214 yards, one interception. The New Orleans Saints own Tom Brady. This was the first time Brady was shut out in a game since 2006. Brady is now 1-4 against the Saints since coming to Tampa Bay. The conversation about Brady winning the MVP should be erased after getting outplayed by Taysom Hill. Bucks need to be concerned moving forward with injuries to Godwin, who's now out for the season, and Evans, who is shaky. Uh, potentially, he could come back by the playoffs. But realistically speaking, if, if both of these teams are going to miss, or excuse me, both of these players are going to miss significant time, which now we know Godwin's going to, uh, th this is going to hinder their success at repeating. The, the Bucks are not repeating. That's not happening. They're, they've got too many injuries. Just because you bring back Brown doesn't all of a sudden make you guys a, a true blue contender. And um, look, congrats to the Saints who are somehow still clinging to the seventh seed in the NFC with a seven and seven record. I, I Look, I counted the Saints out a long time ago. I have no, look the the bottom of the of the NFC is insane. The fact that we're probably going to get a 500 team to be in the as the wild card is just silly. It, and we may even get a sub 500 team at this point. We don't know. The, the it's crazy how top heavy the NFC is because at it, at the top, man, there's a lot of contenders. But once you hit the wild card, man, it's it's, it's crazy how you're going to get a a what nine and nine team or even an eight and nine team. That's just insanity. That's pure and utter insanity. All right, moving on here with other news and notes around the league. The Lions embarrassed the Cardinals 30-12. to Goff, 216 yards and three touchdowns. This is Jared Goff's best game outside of Los Angeles. Murray, 257 yards, one touchdown, one pick. Cardinals have now lost two straight. Murray doesn't look right or healthy. Losing Hopkins for the rest of the regular season really hurts this team. The Cardinals... Team was once the top contender in the NFC, is now fighting for their playoff lives over the next three weeks. They end their season against the Colts, the Cowboys, and the Seahawks. That is rough. Cardinals might not win another game this season. I'm not being hyperbolic here. For a team that I loved, for a coach that I thought was going to win Coach of the Year, he's not going to win Coach of the Year anymore. And But this isn't on the coach, by the way. This team is just, they're injury riddled. Kyler Murray still doesn't look healthy. Uh, this there's something off about this team. Even if even if they they somehow somehow manage to make the playoffs, which they still could. I mean they they could beat the Colts, they could beat the Cowboys, and they should beat the Seahawks. Uh, they could they could scrape into the playoffs, but it, they're very likely an early round exit. I, I I have more confidence in the Cowboys than I have in the Cardinals right now, which should tell you something as far as playoff goes. I. I just, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with this team. This is the second year in a row too, though, that they become fraudulent. They're, they're a great early, they're kind of like the Raiders in a weird way. The Raiders always start off super strong and then they fall off right around Thanksgiving. Cardinals seem to be in on that same path or that same trajectory rather. They, they rise early September and October and early November. They're great. And then once we hit Thanksgiving, they just fall off a cliff. 
So we'll see what we'll see what happens moving forward, man. But this Cardinals team, they're, they're in trouble. Uh, and real quick, good for the Lions. Goff, you know, like I said, he's easily playing the best that he's played since leaving LA. Uh, the only downside is that the Lions will now not be picking number one come June. Not that they're going for a quarterback anyway, at least not right now. But uh, you know, hey, good for the team. They've won. They looked they looked really good in this game. They dominated a a very a very injury riddled Cardinals team. So good for them. Cowboys beat the QB less Giants 21 to 6. Prescott 217 yards, one touchdown, and a lost fumble. Glennon 99 yards, three interceptions. The Cowboys were once again dominant on defense. Dak had another underwhelming performance against a very, very bad Giants team. Cowboys will make the playoffs, and unless they can get this offense right, they will get bounced in the first round. It's gonna get ugly for Dallas in the playoffs if if Dak can't figure his shit out. I, this is as far as I'm concerned, this is why you didn't you shouldn't have paid Dak. I look, I said this before. He and I am a Dak Prescott fan. I have I have defended him so many times, but I always said he's had so many peaks and valleys. He's not somebody that you should give a long-term deal to. He needs to prove it. And he didn't prove it. He just hadn't proved it yet. And this is what happens. You pay a dude a shitload of money and now you're stuck with him. I, look, I'm not saying Prescott is terrible, but he's not he's not a top five quarterback. He's not consistently great. I'm sorry. He's just not, he's not consistent about it. And look, if you can't, if Dak can't play better, Cowboys aren't going to go far. Look, that defense is nasty. That defense is so good. So, so much better than any, I think anybody thought. I certainly didn't think they were going to be this good. I had said earlier this season or preseason rather that all the, all the Cowboys defense has to do is not be awful. And the Cowboys will make the playoffs. And the Cowboys defense is the reason why the Cowboys are still going to make the playoffs. So here's the deal. I want to spend the next few minutes real quick talking about the Giants. How the hell do you have Jake Fromm on your roster and not start him over Mike Glennon? Glennon, who in the previous two games threw for two touchdowns and two interceptions, and the Giants went 0-2, now 0-3 in those starts. Why wouldn't you put in Jake Fromm? This kid was a Heisman Trophy finalist in college. He won two bowl games, the Sugar and the Rose Bowl. In three years in college, he threw for 78 touchdowns, 18 interceptions, completing 63.2% of his passes. Yes, I understand that that's college, everybody. I understand that that's college football. But again, usually when we're trying to figure out who's going to be good in the NFL, we look at how successful they were in college. Jake Fromm was a very, very successful quarterback in college. And instead of going with him, you decided to go with the 32 going on 90-year-old Mike Glennon. Everyone on the Giants coaching staff, including Judge, should be fired immediately. You had an opportunity with Jones injured to see if you had an actual backup or a, a, a potential starter in Jake Fromm. And instead, you blew an opportunity for a veteran QB who was about as useful as a pogo stick in quicksand. So congratulations, New York. You never cease to amaze. All right, I'm back to my winning ways. I was 3-1 last week. It's pretty damn good. 3-1 last week. I've got four games for you. All four of these games have playoff implications. Colts at Cardinals, Rams at Vikings, Bills at Patriots, and Steelers at Chiefs. Colts at Cardinals will kick that off. Colts are a, are a two-point underdog on the road. They play on Christmas night. I'm taking the Colts in this game. I like them on the road. I think the Cardinals are reeling right now. They're injury-riddled, as I talked about earlier in this pod. I think the Colts are the better football team. I didn't think I, didn't think I would be saying that a couple weeks ago, but the Colts are playing really good football. I know they're my team. I got a little bias mixed in here, but I really do like the Colts plus two. Rams and Vikings. Rams are a three-point favorite on the road at Minnesota. Take the Rams. Rams are a better football team. 
I, look, I love the Vikings. I'm I'm hoping the Vikings make the playoffs. I really want the Vikings to make the playoffs. I want to see that offense. I want to see Kirk Cousins in the playoffs. Uh, Matt and I were talking. Matt, who's friend of the network, he's got his own podcast, Secret Stuff. Check it out. We were talking about how great it would be to see Kirk Cousins like melt the faces off the media if he was successful in the postseason and somehow won a Super Bowl. That would be just hilarious to watch. And frankly, Cousins has played well enough where no one wants to talk about Kirk Cousins. He should be in the MVP conversation. Look at Kirk Cousins' numbers. Cousins is not the reason why the, the Vikings are where they are. He's not. He's not the reason why the Vikings don't have a better record. They've just been inconsistent across the board. I'd like to see the again, I'd like to see the Vikings win. I just think the Rams are playing better. They're they're finally they're finally coming coming around. I know they kind of played a so-so game against Seattle this past week, but I just like this Rams team. Just go with the Rams minus three. Bills at Patriots. Bills are a two-point dog on the road in New England. I'm taking the Bills plus two. The Bills have to win this football game. They have to win this game for their own sake. If they lose this game, even if they make the playoffs, I think they're one and done. I, just mentally, I think they need to, to prove to themselves that they can beat New England. And beating New England in New England is a big deal. So I'm going to take the Bills. I think their season's on the line here. Take the Bills plus the two. Steelers at the Chiefs. Steelers are a 10-point dog on the road in Kansas City. I'm taking the Steelers plus 10. I'm taking the Steelers plus 10. I think the Steelers keep this game close. I think the Chiefs win the game, but I think the Steelers keep it closer than 10 points. Mike, very rarely does Mike Tomlin get blown out in a football game. So again, I like the Chiefs to win the game, but take the, take the Steelers plus 10. All right, to recap real quick, I've got the Colts plus two, Rams minus three, Bills plus two, Steelers plus 10. And those are your NFL week 16 picks. All right, so in Everything is Stupid this week, I have a kind of an interesting story. So Bill Simmons apologized for Jackie McMullen's Joel and Bede impression on his podcast last week. So here's the deal. Bill puts out three podcasts a week on his his well his own personal podcast a week and every once in a while he's got you know random nba people that come on they talk to the nba at least once a week and jackie mcmullen's a regular who for those of you who don't know she was a long time boston globe columnist she's she used to work for espn jackie's great she made a joel and beat impression uh at one point during the podcast and all of a sudden twitter reacted or social media wasn't just Twitter, but people on social media reacted. Here's the deal, man. Simmons shouldn't have apologized. That's number one. He's, unfortunately, Simmons showed cowardice by apologizing. He decided to kowtow to the social media mob, and he put out a tweet saying this, and I quote, Just a heads up, Jackie McMullen and I talked about Joel Embiid on my podcast. She did a quick impression of Joel. We realized afterwards it could be taken the wrong way. It was a little too late. So as a result, we uploaded an edited version as soon as we could. We apologize about that, end quote. Who the hell is he talking to or apologizing to exactly? Because Joel Embiid liked the segment on Twitter himself. Joel Embiid liked the original segment on Twitter. So who are you apologizing to, Bill? And, and better yet, this is a generalized thing. This isn't just at Bill Simmons. Why are you people constantly apologizing for nothing? And better yet, why the hell are you going after Jackie McMullen? Of all the people, of all the sports commentators out there, of all the sports journalists out there, Jackie McMullen is above reproach when it comes to basketball, when it comes to talks of race. Have you read her columns? 
have any of you out there who have been going after Jackie McMullen, have you ever read a column from her? Have you ever listened to her talk? She is about as far away from a racist as you could possibly get. And look, Bill has had some controversial stuff in the past. People went after him years ago because he didn't have enough non-white people working for the ringer, which again, is just, it, it, it's just, I, I can't stand that crap because it's, it, Bill Simmons, again, is another person who's about as far from, from a racist as you'll find, but yet people keep going after him for that. I don't understand it. I don't understand or this is actually a bigger, I do understand. I do understand. I, you, I say I don't understand. I don't understand why you would attack somebody like Jackie McMullen. I do understand why individuals out there are trying to make this bigger than, than what, it, what it truly is. And that's because there's a narrative out there, which has been run by the legacy media who keeps pushing it in like places like MSNBC and CNN, and even in some instances, Fox News, that can constantly try and create this this narrative that anyone who's who's non-white is a victim no matter what no matter what's going on in this world if you're a white person and you say something that anyone who's not white finds offensive you're automatically a racist automatically you're racist and the bigger picture of that is there's this push that anyone who's a white person is secretly deep down you're secretly an oppressor and you're secretly racist Watch any segment on MSNBC. It, go ahead. Watch any single one. Go listen to Joy Reid. She'll tell you all every day. Every day. You're a white person that's watching her show. Well, guess what? I appreciate you watching my show and giving me money and giving me ratings, but you're still racist. That's all you hear all day long. MSNBC, CNN. That's all you listen to all day is about how secretly racist you are. And those people who watch those shows are the same vocal minority on social media. And I call them the vocal minority because their only platform is social media. No one actually listens to them in the real world. But those are the type of people that unfortunately do have some power. They put that shit out there. They make enough of a, uh, they make a hashtag, which goes viral. And then all of a sudden you have Bill Simmons apologizing to who? Who the fuck is Bill Simmons apologizing to? He has, the guy who, jo Joel Embiid, the individual who Jackie McMullen made the impression of, which was a very good impression, mind you, that she made the she made the impression of was okay with it. If he was okay with it, if he wasn't offended by it, why are you apologizing? Why should anyone have to apologize? If the individual who was supposedly the victim in this in this circumstance, if he wasn't offended, why are you, the proverbial you, why are you offended? There is no reason for you to speak up for Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid has a mouth. He, is, he has the ability to speak for himself. He has the ability to use his fingers and type something out on Twitter or Facebook or wherever or have his publicist come out and say, hey, look, you know, like Joel did not appreciate the comments that were made on Bill Simmons's podcast. That's not what happened. So who the hell are you out there to speak for Joel Embiid? If he's okay with it, that's the end of it. That's done. There should be no story here. But if you want to talk about racism, you want to talk about being a racist, that's being racist. You coming out and speaking for a black man and trying to create something that isn't there. Who the hell are you to speak for him? He already spoke. He spoke by liking the tweet, by liking the original content. 
he found it enjoyable or he liked it or he loved it or whatever, however you want to look at it, he wasn't offended by it. So you, the white individual, because it, let's be real, it was a bunch of white, if you go and you look at the Twitter profiles of these people, a bunch of the people that were quote unquote offended by that segment, they weren't even people of color. So if if Joel, again, if Joel Embiid is speaking for himself, which he did by liking the original content, who the fuck are you to speak for him? Who are you to be offended for him? You're not black. You're white. So the, the, the impression literally has nothing to do with you. Who the, like, why are you offended? Like, that doesn't even make any sense. It does not make any sense. So Stop. And please, all these other people out there who keep apologizing, stop fucking apologizing. You're just giving these jackasses more power. And Simmons should know better. He's had to deal with this before. Anybody out there, if you just shut up and you don't say anything, it goes away. It always ends up going away. It dies down within 24 hours because somebody else says something stupid or somebody else finds some reason to be offended. So just stop apologizing because nine times out of 10, when you apologize, you actually end up shooting yourself in the foot and you make it into a bigger deal than it should be. You're keeping it in the news cycle. And if you just stayed quiet, it would die out. So Simmons and everybody else out there, please just stop. Stop feeding in to the nonsense. What Jackie did was not even close to being offensive. It was actually a really good segment overall. It was, it, she has never, never, and this is the thing, she has never done anything but show respect to the players that she's covered. Always. She has always been respectful. I said it earlier in this in this segment, she's above reproach. And Bill Simmons is as far from a racist as you're going to find. And if you're still one of those people out there who need to find ways to be offended, I, like you're just you're just a waste of space. And, and frankly, you're, you do nothing. You do absolutely nothing to help move this country forward. You're just holding us back. All right, so to close out the podcast, I just want to wish you all a very Merry Christmas. I hope you have the opportunity to spend some holidays with your family and friends. Uh, this podcast is obviously dropping on Christmas Eve. I will still do another podcast next week. I'm not taking the week off or anything, but I just wanted to wish you all a um, a very Merry Christmas and, and I hope everyone stays stays healthy and, and be safe out there. And also just to say thank you. You know, this is another year that this podcast has done well and y'all keep downloading it. And I, I look, I wouldn't, I wouldn't keep doing this podcast if I wasn't getting downloads. So I want to thank you for your support and not just for this podcast, but for Richard and Lala, for the secret stuff podcast, Matt's fantasy basketball podcast for Spaceball, for drinks with Dan. The few times we actually do that podcast, look, all of your support, it, it really does mean the world to us. I'm speaking on behalf of the guys here, but it really does. We, it, it, it's not easy to do these things. I mean, a lot of people think, oh, you know, I'm just gonna sit in front of a microphone and, and just chat. It, it's not simple. You know, you, you got to prep a little bit. You got to, you got to take the time to, to try and create the best content you possibly can to put something really good out there uh, for everybody to enjoy. And for those of you who have reached out to me on social media and, and interacted with some of the stuff that I've said, whether you've agreed or disagreed, thank you and keep doing it. You know, I, I really do. I appreciate I appreciate all the all the feedback I get, whether it be positive or negative. It's the only way that, that this podcast is going to grow. Uh, the same thing with all the other podcasts, really for this network to grow. We just, you know, the 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 constant interaction and the constant support is is very much appreciated. So again, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, 
Stay healthy, stay safe. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for this week's edition of the LaValley Sports Talk Podcast, brought to you by the Sunline Network. As always, thank you so much for tuning and listening. We really appreciate it. Please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to download the latest episodes of Richard and Lala and the Secret Stuff Fantasy Basketball Podcast. And that is it. That's all I have for you this week. Be well, stay safe, Merry Christmas, and I'll talk to you all again soon. <laughs>